0: Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you all on this Thursday, October 29th of 2020. We want to welcome all of our listeners today, wherever you're tuning in from. We consider it a privilege and an honor to be able to have you spend this time together with us as we study the Word of God. Nothing, there's nothing better Nothing better that you can do during a day than to have a fellowship, to be able to be in the Word of God, especially in such a time like this. We are excited. We've been on a journey, on a journey here in the Book of Acts, and we've been parked in uh, on uh, Act 16, Chapter 16. We've been parked there for a few days, and and really gleaning uh, uh, from there what God has been showing us concerning uh the end times. And um I know we're making our way to Athens. We hope to get there this week by the end of this week. But if not, it's because something God has something to show us even more. I'm excited today about today's study. But I'm also today uh before we go on, I also wanna take time to uh, ask you to continue to help us pray uh for all those people in the fires. Also, the, the hurricane, is it Zeta or Zeta? One of the two, right? Uh, mm. that's about the, the third, right, Brother Marty, or fourth hurricane, or possibly fifth hurricane already this year in that yeah. area. And, and, oh. and that's very telling. That's very incredible. Uh, you know, to just to go by through one of them is, 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 is hard in itself. You're talking about two, three, four of them going and, and bring in a devastation. I believe you said, Brother Marty, over a million people, right? The news reported over a million people losing uh, their, uh, their uh-huh. power. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what it is to be without power. You know, it's uh, you need it. We use it every day. It, it, it's, a, it's a need. It's a necessity that we have. And uh, so many things are happening. Uh, we read about the reports of, of uh, what happened in Nice, France, right? Yeah. Uh, a deadly attack, and just all the things that are happening all around the world. I mean, if if we cannot see these things as signs of the days that we are living, then we're either blind or we just don't want to admit it. But I think they're very clear, you know, uh, that what is happening, the turmoil, not just that our nation. uh, is in but the turmoil that the whole world all the things that we are seeing that are that are coming out of even from the catholic church the declarations, the things that are happening all these things it's a preparation for what is about to take place the antichrist spirit that was moving already in the in the days of paul think about it how really really where we're at you could just imagine where we're at today, as we draw closer. But there's hope, and that is, and that's what these podcasts want to bring. It's not just, you know, as Brother Mike, we're not here to scare you to bring fear to your to your heart. No, no, it's it's just to to warn you, and 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 with that, and and to uh, not just to admonish you, but to warn you, but also to encourage you that Jesus Christ is coming again, and that His Coming is much nearer than when we first begun. And I pray that you're not just learning, you're being encouraged, but it's causing you to draw closer to God. So today, we're excited again, like I said, because of that, to be in the Word of God. In our panel, we have Brother Marty today joining us, and Brother Fernando, as always, a pleasure and an honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we continue in our journey in the book of Acts, and as we study the Word of God together.
1: Amen. We're looking forward to today's uh, podcast as we continue looking at the uh, the three particular events that are recorded in Acts chapter 16, as the Holy Spirit in- inspired St. Luke to write and record in the book of Acts chapter 16, very unique amongst many of the chapters of the book of Acts. As we've looked extensively uh, over the last several days at the prophetic insights and metaphors of these actual historic events, and how they relate to our time, and why the Holy Spirit had Luke write the way he did in order to give us insight, not only in how the uh, the brothers and sisters responded, the great apostles responded to adversity and persecution of their time, but to understand it in the in the long-term view as to what was being revealed through the early church uh, as to what would be taking place at the end of, of the age uh, for the final church, the final generation. We believe that we are well into this time frame now. We spent the last seven and a half months, almost eight months now, uh, laying incredible foundations of 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 exploration within the bible itself, those of you who have been uh, with us for ex- for you know any extended period of time uh you know uh, the direction that we have been headed we've discussed uh from many sides of the word of god um why we are laying the case uh that we believe we've either Approach to the threshold of 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 the beginning of sorrows that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24, or we've actually entered into the very beginning of of quite possibly what the Bible terms as the the tribulation period. I know those are crazy statements to a lot of uh, traditional eschatologists, <laughs> as they say. But you know what? I ain't got time for you people anymore. I've got stacks of books of your hypothesis. <laughs> Maybe it's too early, so I'm not holding back, right? But uh, uh, I've got stacks of their books, buddy, and commentaries, and 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 just how they formed their doctrine. That really has done such a great disservice. We've we've got people waiting for a trumpet to blow here in this country. Uh, that it's not coming. It will come. It'll come on the day the Lord appointed, the final day, the last day. That's what He said. And well, so, they, they've gone um, as
2: far as to say that uh, the last Trump speaks of the president, right?
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, uh, really. True. I mean, that is true. They've called him everything from the Messiah to Cyrus to to the King of Israel, man. They even named some I property know. for him up in northern Israel there, Trump Heights, right? So yeah. God bless <laughs> if you know. <laughs> you know they, they they put a hat on him that that made him the pastor in chief you know i don't lay any tr- i don't lay a trip on trump at all president trump i should say uh, respectfully uh but i do uh look to the the establishment pentecostal charismatic and protestant establishment elite in this country um it's almost as if they woke up and and realized that that the enemy's not at the gate he's all over the land and he's in every institution and so now they want to uh you know camp themselves uh at the altar of of patriotism and and try and lay claim to the uh to the great moral fiber that founded this country as if there is nothing that we need to do to adjust our behavior in order to seek God on behalf of uh, of the nation and hope that he'll pour out his spirit one more time upon us I frankly don't think that that we have the, the 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 moral fiber as a nation anymore to turn there, and, and we've talked about this, you know, it, just like we had that prayer meeting a few weeks back, right, where they called all the people to Washington D.C. They turned it into some kind of barbecue corporate thing, you know. I mean, it was a weird, right. it, it was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't fault the sincerity or question, I should say, the sincerity of such efforts. I'm just saying we have drifted so far from what the Bible reveals as uh, the pretext for true repentance uh, that we don't even understand how to go about approaching God. And it's quite possible that what we are witnessing, if we have eyes to see, is is the final throes of, of a society that It has no bearings anymore. Now, I'm not laying a blanket statement on every believer because I start with my own life, man. I mean, like Brother Fernando said the other day, the things that we're seeing in the Word are, (laughs) it's like turning on a spotlight of inspection uh, when it comes to our own private selves and and the Holy Spirit revealing to each and every individual where we are actually at. So I'm not trying to lay this heavy trip of Guilt and blame and pointing fingers at everybody else. We all have to look at ourselves and be honest with God in this country. And I think if we, yeah. right? I mean, yes. go ahead, brother, say something. You know, brother, it's it's you know,
0: even even ministers today can't even take an account for their own deeds. Been following this this particular apostle, who just been caught in scandal, you know, in a divorce and money and kids and 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 but i don't see nothing of him repenting as a matter of fact he's threatening people that if he dare say something about his apostleship about him god can kill you basically that's what he said as as he's done you know so he's not even taking an account we have another one who was a former president of one of the biggest universities who's who's suing now the university for defaming his character defamation of his character (laughs) You know, like, dude, you're the one who put compromise yourself and you're suing the, you know, but we can't even take uh, the minute. What I'm trying to say is the ministers cannot even take account for their own doings, let alone for the doings of a nation. Right. Yeah. And and that's, and it's sad. It's sad. The condition, it's sad, the condition of, and and like you said, brother, it's, it's, I'm more mad at the, the so-called ministers. You know, yeah. our attitude. It, that's the reason why we're in the mess we're in. It's because of our pulpits, brother.
1: Yeah, I often tell uh, tell Sister Debbie, my wife, I tell her, you know, if God has to use me, I mean, it's desperate times, buddy. <laughs> <So, I mean, laughs> We've come yeah. to desperate times, man. So. No, I tell yeah. you what, man. Uh, I, I just... Uh, I think that that's what we're seeing here. You know, when we look and examine the lives of these great apostles, the church was built on such, you know, men of quality and character. They weren't perfect. They had a driving sense of destiny and purpose. And the, and, and, and one thing they all had in common was that they had hearts and lives that lined up with what the word said. And then when you examine their character uh, and the completed work of God in their lives, they became the fathers of the church. And that's what... That's what the the whole new city Jerusalem will be built on, twelve foundation stones, and it'll have the names of the of the great apostles on on the uh, on the very foundation of the great city. You know, these are these are these are mountains of men. These are the Mount Rushmores of of the church. The the quality of the church. The apostle Paul one time writing concerning himself, he said, you know, uh, that he called himself the chief of sinners. And then he said "But that God chose to bestow his grace upon him, that in him first that grace would be understood, the extent of the mercy of God. But then he goes on to write and talk about how that he labored above all the apostles, he said, uh, in his own personal conviction to show the Lord that he hadn't bestowed his grace upon him in vain. That's incredible. And when you look at what we've been exploring, right, and how they uh, endured. You know, as a matter of fact, let's just read the scripture, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, because, you know, this morning I was meditating on that this morning, and, and just, you know, reflecting as the Holy Spirit was prompting my thoughts, I believe, to to, to examine and to think, really, as as we get into this uh, scripture about the midnight jailing and what happened at midnight, and, and that extraordinary day where they were brought before the court. A uh, sentence was passed. They were whipped. They were beaten. They were thrown into the prison. Uh, and and yet at midnight, uh, praying and singing. A- and I just thought about that in in, in the sense that <laughs> would I be praying and singing? You know, I mean, would I? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think so, honestly. I doubt it at this point in my life just being honest man i mean really i would be more like so beat up and freaked out you know and if you really take the uh you know the, the current positive preaching messages that we've heard over the last several <laughs> decades or three two or three decades now you would have to conclude that paul and silas didn't have enough faith not to be thrown into jail right i mean it, but that's how they would conclude. Even right. Paul talked right? <laughs> But the yeah, fact of the matter yeah. the fact of the matter is is their faith was exposed by the very thing they went through. They were able to endure, you know, because of their faith. But even then, you know, when we label it faith nowadays, we don't really understand what that means. Jesus talked about the woman who whose faith saved her. And 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 I just I just look at the quality of these men and and, and I uh, I marvel at it I really do. You know that kind of depth of quality. Uh, it built the church. You know the Holy Spirit used them to build the church, and they stand as such. You know giants of 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 consecration and truth. You know that that it's lasted and endured 2,000 years. And I think it's meant to be inspirational and, uh, and convicting uh, for us upon whom, uh, these trials could very well just be ahead. It's already beginning. You know, what brother Jeremy shared, uh, in Nice, Frank's last night, uh, they were having a service, uh, at, at their church. And, uh, You know, a man came in and and killed three people who weren't doing anything but worshiping God and uh, almost almost severing the head of some, you know, 80-year-old lady, older lady. I mean, this is the level of viciousness that's been unleashed in our time. And when we look at these men of God and these women of God in in, in the book of Acts who founded the church, um, uh, we're meant to draw inspiration and yet, at the same time allow the spirit of god to convict our hearts because if we actually think we're prepared for such level that's coming and is i mean you can almost not to be over dramatic but you can almost hear the hoofbeats of the horses that are running towards towards us in these times you can hear the sound in the distance of the approaching demonic flood and the armies that have been predicted in the prophetic scriptures that are coming and that separation that we've talked about that is designed up underneath trial and tribulation to to reveal the real and to expose the false. And what we've been learning is the false is easily embraced by the system that's been predicted in the book of Revelation and throughout the holy apostles and prophets throughout the years. And so that's why we're examining these things and why we believe that the Holy Spirit has us where we are. And we pray that today as we go a little further, um, and and we're almost to Athens now, uh, which we should be there tomorrow, Lord willing, um, we'll we'll begin to see um, exactly um, the the great power of God that that was displayed uh, throughout the book of Acts, but but also in the development of his great servants in whatever situation they found themselves in. They were so detached from this world. When I talk about self-examination, that's what I see mostly, you know, amongst other things that, that you know, if we all take honest assessments of our own personal lives, uh, what what stands in stark contrast to modern Christianity, especially in the United States, I'm not talking about our precious brothers and sisters who are laying down their lives right now all over the world. It simply hasn't become a reality in this country. We've, we've lived such a privileged a uh, cushy Christianity here that we really can't relate to the uh, to the mothers who have witnessed their husbands killed in Nigeria, or 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 the Boko Haram terrorists who uh, who who stole 300 uh, daughters from from a Christian village and made them uh, into their slaves, or the the millions of our brothers and sisters in the underground church in China whose churches have been burned, whose families have been broken apart, whose pastors have been thrown in prison, whose children have been placed in re-education camps. This is the reality throughout the Middle East. Over the last several years, we saw ISIS sweep like a like a fiery plague across the oldest parts of Christianity in the world, burning their churches, uh, beheading their children, uh, you know, defiling their wives and killing their, their sons and daughters. This has been going on now. For, for in in earnest for the last 10 15 20 years but when you come to rest in the american church you you know we sit in air conditioned buildings as we uh, first grab our latte on the way in with our uh, with our danish show while we sit down and and get entertained by a by a tattooed uh, you know spiky haired skinny jean wearing pastor and then we parade the minstrels across the stage and you know we highlight the stage and we turned our our gospel expression into a theatrical Broadway presentation, and we actually think that we're going to be able to stand up under the heat and the scrutiny of tribulation and persecution that the Bible predicts in this country, it's that kind of examination that I'm talking about. It's that kind of thing that stands as a glaring indictment in my own personal life when I read the stories and the accounts of these great apostles and these great saints of God who, who endured trials you read the the, the 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 Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews. It says that, you know, they they wandered the deserts. They were sawn asunder. They were imprisoned. They were fed to lions. I mean, you go down this, this list or you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs and you read about the accounts of the early church. Such great faith was on display. I read this one account always stays with me where the Roman, the hardened Roman soldiers in the Colosseums of Rome where they would starve the lions and the animals and the bears, you know, uh, in order that they would be, you know, ferociously uh, hungry. And then they would bring the Christians out for the sport of a a society drunk on sin uh, and and then feed the Christians to these animals. That I read an account where the the Christians would go into the arena, knowing that their sons, their daughter's mother holding babies, uh, husbands clinging to their children, they would walk into the arena singing praises to God. And <clears throat> under the, you know, the uh, the cheers of, of a demonically possessed society, I read an account of, 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 of a Roman soldier who was so overwhelmed by the courage that he witnessed in those precious things of God. This is a hardened legionnaire. Who had seen the the battlefields of of an ancient world that is that is intense, you know, where they would they would fight in great battles. He said he saw. Uh, they said that he he proclaimed he had never seen such courage as he saw in these women and children and, and and precious saints of God that entered the arena singing praises to their God. And there's an account in the book of of martyrs of, of that soldier taking off his helmet. Uh, taking off his sword, laying down his spear, and standing with them, giving his life for Christ, because the witness was so astounding that he got saved on the spot that kind of <laughs> of consecration and dedication is what is going to be required of us now I've read other accounts where it says that it was almost like a supernatural holy spirit assistance came upon these believers but make no mistake about it they were already dead they had died to this world they had unhooked themselves to anything or any trapping that would seek to be a snare to them in the most crucial moment of their examination of their faith and they stood as as indictments against a world that refused to acknowledge the very God who had blessed them. And all of it's coming to a head, see? And when we talk about Noah, that's what the Bible says. Brother Fernando quoted it the other day, a few podcasts back, where it says that uh, Noah, who is uh, being warned of God, I think it says, being warned of God of things not yet seen, was moved with reverence and fear, and, uh, and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which, he says, he condemned the world. See this separation, this this uh, this this demarcation zone uh, uh, of the end time. It, it, that's what it's all about. It's to separate the real from the true. You know, this kind of talking really scares people. I get it; it scares me, man. But it's the gospel. God hasn't uh you know hidden anything from us it's in the scripture it's just it's been so distorted over the years that that it's been it's been served up in our in our western society as simply an alternative or an assistant philosophy to make my life much better and that's not the gospel at all because what calvary proclaims as what Paul would later write right i am crucified to this world and the world is crucified unto me that is what calvary proclaimed it was an indictment against the whole fallen thing that corrupted defiled decaying expression of satanic rule and all that it has to offer our lord took the penalty of it and and blatantly declared that, <laughs> that it was rejected, weighed in the balance, and judged. And then he rose on the third day to proclaim to all who would believe and listen that there is there is a new thing that is coming, where there is no defiling, there is no corruption, there is no decay. And it's not, it's not for everybody. It's reserved for those who, who allow the Spirit of God to bring them to the place as he did these saints of God we've been looking at in the the scriptures, in the book of Acts particularly, and the prophets we've discussed over the last several months, they reach that that place of no return. That moment that is unique to every individual believer where all trappings of this this world are severed from the soul and the spirit. And (laughs) And like Enoch, right, it says he had this testimony that he pleased God, right? And so God took him. He was no more. That is who he's coming for. And we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by anything that we do, right? We're saved by faith in what he's done for us. But as James would write, the much maligned James would write, you know, you say you believe, he said, but so does the devil. So do the demons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they tremble, right? <laughs> okay. He says, but I'll show you what I believe by what I do. And that's that's where I've been. Personally, God, help me. God, help me. Help me to be what I need to be. Help us to be what we need to be. And have mercy on us, Lord. You know, I thank God for the scriptures that say, you know, he remembered that they were they're just flesh. <laughs> so, <Right>. I, <laughs> right? But anyway. Mm-hmm. So to begin and and and, and we won't be long today but, but Brother Jeremy, could you read uh the book of Acts, uh chapter sixteen, verse twenty five, as we uh, conclude the sixteenth chapter uh mm-hmm. uh today in Jesus' name. 25 and
0: 26. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose.
1: Praise God. So, Like we've been talking about, a midnight is fast approaching. You know, in the scriptures, midnight, like we've said, is a metaphor for the end of time and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we left off yesterday with Paul and Silas uh, brought before the court, persecuted for their faith and the gospel that they preached. They were brought before the court, as we saw yesterday, based on Roman law. Roman law, you know, being for the purposes of our studies, it's a foreshadow of what the Bible tells us will be, uh, you know, a global system, a system ultimately that will find its, I don't know, its fullest expression in the persecution, and yes, in some cases, the martyrdom of the end-time church as we enter into the fellowship with our brethren throughout the ages, but particularly the the early church, as we've been examining, precisely this persecution comes because of the exclusivity of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which teaches that Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and that no one can come to the Father except by Jesus. So notice when they brought Paul and Barnabas, You know before the court and just like in our time i believe you know this the legal argument will be the same it was you could almost say (laughs) you know the 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 system of rome versus paul and silas i mean that's what happened right it's going to be the same now the system of the antichrist versus the true church A, a great courtroom is is being assembled constructed it's already you know, it's already been framed in, man. Um, and as we read yesterday, uh, they were brought to court on the basis of being Jews, right? And we talked about what that meant in Acts chapter two, verse ten, and in Acts chapter eighteen, verse one and two, where an edict had been issued by Claudius Caesar to expel uh, the Christian Jews out of the capital city of Rome. And so when when Paul and Silas are brought before the magistrates in the law. Uh, it was on that basis they approached the persecution of the men of God based on established global law, and it's the same thing that's going to happen they They talked about them troubling our city, teaching customs that aren't lawful to receive or observe and in other words what we what we were examining yesterday is is the reason it came against them is much the same why we're going to experience the same thing today. It doesn't matter the, the type of Christianity you have as long as you morph it into all the other religions or the other lifestyles or the other philosophies of the world today. If, if you kind of temper your, your gospel to fit the, the, the current cultural mindset, you, you're not going to experience any kind of retribution for that. But the moment that you begin to preach Christ as the Bible re- reveals him, It is that very defining thing of the true gospel that the Bible tells us is going to be the catalyst by which the devil himself will turn the whole world upon the church. It's always been that. Why do you think that they always attack the gospel? Because the gospel is the only message for all humanity that truly frees a man. And the devil is about control and systems are about control and everything we see moving across the planet today, whether it's the the, the great global surveillance system that they're enacting, whether it's the surveillance state or the politically correct mindset or the uh, or the deconstruction of a godly nation within the institutions of our universities and schools the blurring of the lines between men and women and the uh you know the sexually driven agenda of uh, of the of the various community I mean just go down the list man all of it allows you to exist side by side with it as long as you preach a christianity that that doesn't exclusively proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because once you do that, what you, uh, for all intents and purposes, done to the individual person is free him from the very system that's seeking to control him. You can't control somebody whose allegiance is the kingdom of heaven. What were you going to say, brother?
2: Uh, just amen, and that that that's true right there. That's exactly mm. what the gospel does. It it, yeah. it it frees, it frees the the soul, delivers Hallelujah. the soul. Yeah. Powerful. That's the power of the gospel. Now, I, I I I'm thinking about how we ended the last podcast, and you said something to the effect that you wonder why we don't have power in the gospel we preach. How no. is it that the apostle Paul and Silas were full of the spirit that when they sang a the song at midnight, shackles fell from the prisoners. <laughs> that's what frees the soul. That's what yeah.
1: delivers the sinner. Amen. Amen, brother. That's powerful, man. And so that's it. See what we're examining in this sixteenth chapter is, is is really a historical account of what will be and what is already taking place in its fullness, on a global scale, at the end of the age. That very thing. And so those kinds of times that they experienced in the early church, they're, they're here again. And the reason that we see the kind of level uh, that Brother Fernando just so beautifully expressed uh, manifested in their lives is because those times dictated that kind of consecration. In order to have a victory over a world gone insane. And 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 remember this, and and I think I need to point this out, you know, just so people don't think we're these, you know, these these weird masochists of some sort, right? We're we're talking about the gospel. Remember, God will never put you in a situation more than you can handle. That's what Paul said. There is no trial, no test, no temptation come upon you. Uh, but such as is common to man. And he said, God uh, will, with that trial or test, also make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Each individual person is going to have his own time of refining, of examination. But collectively, the church is headed into this position. It is inevitable. So whether that's in the next several weeks or the next several years, it is inevitable because that's what the scripture says. And we've seen it before. We just happen to believe that we have already crossed onto the the roadway of it and it's coming at breakneck speed in our time. And so it is with that kind of a, a sense of desperation for all of us to hurry up and get ready. Uh, that that we put forth these these thoughts, these concepts, these insights that the Holy Spirit has given us. So what we saw, and we need to understand uh, based on that, what is upon us is an indoctrinated and unified culture. As Brother Fernando talked about yesterday and, and today uh, before we started our podcast, this has been coming for decades, you know, those of you out there who have been listening to us, who are who who are older like like me, <laughs> and maybe even older than me, you remember a time when when if something outright, I was thinking about that today. I mean, the scandals that we've been seeing at the political level over the last week or so has just kind of been exposed and fallen to the ground. And I thought back in '73 when we had the Watergate hearings, and they 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 forced the president to resign uh, because of 18 minutes that he erased off a of tape and, and because a few uh, Republican National Committee operatives broke into the Democratic National Committee and stole some files. That was just an outrageous, earth-shaking event then. But compared to what we're seeing today, I mean, that's nursery school kind of stuff. And yet there's no outrage. And there's no moral quality that stands up and says this cannot be tolerated. It's simply passed off because we've become so desensitized as a nation that even when darkness is paraded in front of our face, we just shrug it off as eh, that's the way it is. You know, Isaiah once said, "The children are come to birth, but there's no strength to bring them forth. We have brought forth, as it were, wind." And so, Brother Jeremy, could you read to us verse 22 through 24? Because this trial gives way to persecution. You know, the persecution of their gospel gave way to violent treatment. It's a foreshadow of the persecution that's coming. Can you read that, Acts sixteen twenty-two through 24?
0: Yes. <clears throat> and the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast
1: in the stocks. So notice there in verse 22, uh, we, we see... Uh, the specific language, again, giving us insight. The multitude rose up together. You know, it speaks of unity, unity of purpose, unity of culture against them. This is what the book of Revelation predicts, is that, and especially in earnest, the final 42 months of human history prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in, in, in Revelation chapter 19, we'll see this very thing a coming together of the multitude and and then the 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 satanic spirit moving through them uh to come against paul and silas or the paul and silas church of our time really and and then and then it gives way to a persecution right it says that that they were stripped of their clothes and, and whipped severely See, this is, this is where what we see reveals a violent attack against the Lord and his church. You know, already our, our streets are filled with roving gangs of anarchists, if you think about it, right? They're burning Bibles in the street. They're burning churches down. We've, we've talked about this at length. They're tearing down anything that represents God or country or, or morality. They're looting our our, our stores, and and like I said, it's a total anarchy out there. And what they turn their attention against is the institution of the church. We talked about Asaph weeks ago, and one of the things that he wrote in the 74th Psalm was, we see not our signs. We don't recognize our signs, and neither is there a prophet among us who can tell us how long will it be till the end of these things. So that's what happened the multitude turns against them and and like we're talking about we're we're watching them burn our bibles in the streets our flags burning down our churches in france they're they're killing people beheading them for, for for worshiping god the persecutions have been seen throughout history if you think about it the attempt of satan to rid the earth of the lord's children his church why why is this well i believe it's it's because uh, what the Bible reveals to us is that his attempt to remove the children of God from the planet would be a victory because God's church and God's children are meant to endure forever and to permanently remove all of them, which is what he's going to try to do. If you know your Bible, look, look, look at, look at Matthew 24. Brother Jeremy, turn over to Matthew 24. It made me think of that. So Jesus said in Matthew twenty four. Uh, can you read to us verse uh, twenty one and twenty two?
0: Yes. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not not seen not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened.
1: So here we see Jesus revealing the primary purpose for his return is to prevent the elect themselves from being destroyed by the very great tribulation period under the control of the Antichrist. Because earlier in verse fifteen he's talking about the abomination that makes desolate talking about the antichrist when you read uh, he told us to read the book of daniel and that's revealed there that's initiated by the antichrist that son of perdition and so we see that the attempt of the enemy is to rid the earth the natural world the universe itself of the children of god but this is where the lord himself is going to step in we see a hint of that in this midnight story that the earth literally shook the prison off its foundations. It's a hint. It's a sign of the Lord's power to deliver his faith. But the issue is that the persecution comes precisely in order to rid the world of the children of God. It's always been a struggle between light and darkness. And if he was able to do such a thing, he tries to do it, uh, because to do so would break prophecy. It would break the established, declared word of our Father Creator himself, and that would nullify the word of God. God's word, as the Bible tells us, is forever settled in heaven, right? It is unshakable. To right. break it, right, to break it would, would cause a reverberation that would cause everything to fly apart in all directions. But the enemy's trying to do that. He's the God of chaos and confusion of stealing. uh, 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 What did he say? The the thief comes, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come, he said, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You know, we've seen this attempt uh, since the beginning, if you think about it, uh, uh, Cain tried to destroy Abel. And in so doing, uh, which he did do, but in so doing, he tried to uh, usurp uh, god's plan of course he couldn't do that but we see the enemy acting to destroy god's children is my point i thought about pharaoh this morning trying to kill the all of the, the male children in israel the devil was moving through him the devil possessed him and he tried to kill the male children so cutting off the line of of of, of the promised messiah that was to come and, and so he was having the, them throw the babies into the Nile River. Remember, and, and also his persecution of the Jews, of the Hebrew slave, just whipping them and beating them. It's this, it's this persecution that gives way to a violent treatment that we see in the in, in the in the judgment of Paul and Silas. It's been going on since the beginning. Or when you think about the Assyrian Empire, remember Sennacherib and Tiglath Pileser when they swoop down from the north. And, and took captive the 10 tribes of Israel, destroying them as a nation, leading them off. And in, 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 if you go and study your history, they were the most brutal of empires in the way they tried to destroy all of Israel. All that was left was Judah. But then we also see that same ferocity in Nebuchadnezzar, right? He burnt Jerusalem to the ground. He 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 had fiery ovens where if he didn't bow down and worship his image, he, he tried to cast the the, the children of, uh, of God, and destroy them into the oven. It's that same ferocity. Uh, or I, I thought about Haman. Um, you know, he attempted to destroy all the Jews. And in so doing, he, you know, again, what we're talking about is Satan's attempt throughout the ages to rid the earth of the, of the children of God. In the early days in the Old Testament, it was the Jews. They were the only ones who knew God. But what the Bible is predicting is that is that it will happen at the end of time he tried to do it to the early church under the persecution of nero he's tried to do it through the ages really whether it's the 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 wars of the crusades the muslims versus the christians or down through the years man he's tried to do it uh you know nero's persecution how about hitler's final solution right he tried to 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 rid the, the world of the jews it's very interesting to me that that attempt by satan in the 20th century to destroy european jewry was precisely just years, short years away from the reestablishing of the nation of Israel in 1948. The ovens of, of Buchenwald and, 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 and Auschwitz and Treblinka, all those places uh, that, that, that they tried to, to rid the Jew, was Satan's attempt to remove the Jew from the face of the earth and so break the prophetic scripture. But coming out of World War II, that attempt failed. It's those dry bones that God showed Ezekiel, remember? He said, can these bones live? Had he succeeded in ridding the world of the Jew, he would have broken the prophetic scripture of God. And he got very close, but he didn't, right? In 1948, they were established on May the 12th, 1948, as a nation. And so what did he do then? He tried to capture Jerusalem and keep it under the power of of, of Islam. But 70 years later to the day, uh, on, on May the 12th, uh, 2018, the most powerful nation on the face of the planet moved its embassy to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was then proclaimed the eternal capital city of Israel. So all along the way, he has tried to destroy the children of God. He's tried to destroy the Jew. He's tried to destroy the church. he's tried to destroy the Jew again in the 20th century. And what's coming now is one final attempt. He's going to try and destroy both Jew and the church. And he's been trying uh, to perfect his demonic system in the very plain sight of everybody, if you have eyes to see. This is where it's headed. Trust me, this is where it's headed, because that's what the scripture says. It will be given to him to make that attempt. Jesus walked the earth for three and a half years. The son of the living God was given three and a half years. And so the son of the devil will be given 42 months. And at the conclusion of it, the son of the living God will come and and take his kingdom from him. That's what we know. But this attempt is coming, just like Paul and Silas had to go through, uh, through law and through uh, violent uh, expression against them. The same thing is going to happen to the church not too many days from now it's already happening brothers and sisters again we talked about it in the west we we don't see it although it is happening in old europe it's already beginning they're cutting people's heads off (laughs) jesus help us And, and here in the united states it's coming another way but it's coming and 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 the violence is increasing and the attack against the church is already in our face. Like we said, they're burning our Bibles. But brother Jeremy, read to us in Revelation chapter thirteen, verse fourteen through seventeen, because that's what's coming. Could you read that to us? Yes. And deceived them
0: that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do, in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused it all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name.
1: There's so much there that we'll get into as the Lord allows us in the coming days, but I want to point some things out to you right there of what we're talking about. This is going to be a satanic attempt to expose the true church and then destroy it. It's going to come up under a economic system. It's going to be driven and led by one particular spiritual leader who looks like a lamb but speaks by the dragon. He will lend the weight, the full office of his pseudo-Christian appearance to a system so that the whole world comes up underneath its sway. It is satanic. And it's designed, like, like it read there, as many as will not take the, the mark of the beast should be killed. Now, we know that not everybody's going to be killed, but there are martyrs, and then there's Lydia's in the house, like we've been seeing. Wherever we fall in that, the fact of the matter is, is our brothers and sisters are already being killed all over the world. In the parts of the world that you don't see on your nightly news or read in your newspapers or your Instagram feeds. The reality of what's really happening the most persecuted group on the face of the earth, and you, and I challenge you to go verify what I'm telling you right now. You just look up the statistics from multiple foundations. That the most persecuted group of people is not a particular race, creed, or color. It's the church of Jesus Christ on the earth today. It's already here, but it's going to be accelerated to a point that the ultimate goal of the devil is to destroy and wipe and eradicate from off the face of the earth the church. But notice what it says here, that it's tied to economics. And, and I don't want to go down a, a, a rabbit trail too far here, but notice what it says is that no man can buy or sell except he receives the mark of the beast in his right hand or his forehead. Have we seen a preconditioning for that already taking place? You bet your bottom dollar we have, been. Yes. yes. Just try to go into your local grocery store without a face mask on. Or put gas and pay for it in the store without your mask on. Or go anywhere. Well, that's not the mark of the beast, is it? No. But what I'm telling you is that they're they're preconditioning people's minds that they can't buy, sell, or trade unless they come up under the the law, the edict. They're already getting people thinking in that direction. Well, I can't can't go here. Yes,
2: sir. I mean, you can't even go to a store now. I mean, I, I went to a Wendy's, and these signs out here in California are everywhere. That due to the shortage of, of coins that they're uh, uh, minting or printing, you know, you, they need exact uh, cash and, and, and change, or mm-hmm. pay with your debit. Yes, I'm seeing those signs everywhere. You go to Walmart, Incredible. they have the signs there. I mean, so I'm seeing the signs everywhere. I'm going everywhere now, and, and I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, "Look at this! It's happening before mm-hmm. our very own eyes, and we don't even we're being conditioned. You know, we're heading towards a cashless society. You know, we're heading towards this this one state uh, uh, economy and and and, and law. Um, so it's it's going everywhere. You know, and well, I, don't even, I won't even talk about the Pope and what he's doing, but <laughs> you know, it, it, every everything is happening before our very own eyes everyone if we have eyes to see.
1: If we have eyes to see, and that's really scary what you're saying there, brother. Because dude, there's no shortage of coins. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. Like all of a sudden, right? <laughs> all of a sudden, we where where all the coins go? No, man, it is exactly what you said. They are moving society already that that place of, of a cashless society. But but again, this is this is uh, these are the signs that you're talking about that we're seeing. Well you're scaring me with this kind of talk. I don't like listening to this kind of stuff. I'm not trying to scare anybody and we're not trying to scare you. We're, we're, we're simply telling you what the Bible says. Now that is scary but but we're taking stock on what the Bible tells us and what we witness in the lives of Paul and Silas and the many other multitude of saints that we've been examining over the last several months. We're being conditioned by the Holy Spirit to prepare. To prepare. And we must prepare. I think we talked about it yesterday, that preparation of what's happening. You know, we have to settle in our heart. Now, now look, this this is just practical advice. Like we talked about the other day, I mean, have you been preparing yourself? I, you know, well, I'm limited in what I can do. Well, at least do something. Start a little garden. Grow some potatoes. I don't know what you've got to do. You know, begin to, to to get together with your families and begin to really hone in on this. Oh, they might laugh at you. to be. They laughed at Noah, too, like Brother Jeremy said the other day. Are you telling me I need to go, like, dig a hole and, and bury myself in a mountain? No, I'm telling you you need to listen to the Holy Spirit and let him lead you. Because he will. But if you never spend time with him or you don't pray and you have no idea how his voice is or what or how he communicates, it's gonna be well too late when when everything comes down on us. And the truth of the matter is is we're so far along in what we're talking about. Like Brother Fernando's just saying, I didn't know that. I mean, they live you live over there in, in California, man. I didn't know that. I'm not seeing those signs here. But California is the biggest state in the union. They're implementing it there. Or I just read an article about New Zealand the other day. They have one case, one case in the nation of New Zealand, which is at the bottom of the world, right? They have one case of coronavirus, one case. And they just did a poll the other day where 40% of the population said they didn't trust this vaccine that they're coming out with and they're going to refuse to take it. And as a precaution and a warning to the population, the prime minister of New Zealand has created uh, quarantine tents in anticipation of the people who won't take their vaccine. And so they're already planning to move people. <laughs> uh, I sound like some paranoid Alex Jones in the middle no, of the uh, but, uh, but, <laughs> Alex, so, my,
2: my, my family lives in the Bay Area, brother. Um, the Bay area is a lab test for what's going to come to the nation and the rest of the world. I mean, uh, just talk. I was, uh, you know, watch the 49ers here and there, uh, but they, they were talking about, um, when they open up their stadium again, uh, mm. I'm originally from the Bay area. When they open up their stadium again, uh, they are not going to accept cash. Uh. Right. Uh, and they say to speed up the lines of the concessions and stands and all that, whatever. The truth right. of the matter is they're neighbors with Silicon Valley. Yeah. right. Silicon Valley is in the heart of the Bay Area. It's, it's it's in the Bay Area, and they are implementing these new this new technology there in the Bay Area. So the Bay Area is becoming like a lab of sorts for the system of the age. Wow. And they are in a prison over there. They can do nothing. You want to talk about having to wear a mask? That's you know they have to wear it over there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and again, this is this is not known or seen unless you're really, really you know uh, trying to find the information. I yeah. know firsthand because I have family over there that's telling me everything they're implementing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and so it's coming. You know, yeah. it's coming. This this is what we've been talking about. You know, yeah. coming. You have to do your own uh, diligence study in regards yeah. to what we're talking about, like you said. Otherwise, we're going to sound like some old Alex Jones <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of thing there. And, and no, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we're not. We're not because we're bringing what we're what we're talking about from the Word of God. This system yeah. has this has been trying to rear his ugly head from the very beginning. Yes, sir. From the fall of man, we see it. We see cycles of it right and, and it's almost like the lord's uh uh just just cuts it off right in time before it can spread and and, and take over the world because it's not yeah. time you know we yeah. spoke about nimrod we we speak about the days of jeremiah we spoke about the days of christ with rome and so forth and so on we we we, we spoke about uh hitler and and what he tried to do and and so forth and so on but it it's, it's something that's been in the works right and it's yeah. coming full circle and I believe, as you do, as Pastor Jeremy believes, that we are there. It's it's it, you're you putting yourself out there when you're making these kind of statements. Yeah, you know. But again, yes. it's 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 what the Lord is saying, and we say it humbly. But as the Lord is speaking to us, this is what's coming.
1: hmm Yeah, and 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 I I thank you for saying that because you know if that's the case, and and I believe it is, and we believe it is. Um, then there are some very practical things that we, as 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 uh, as believers in our community, wherever you're listening, that we really need to begin to reflect and and prepare. There's nothing wrong in preparing. I mean, there's a million people in Louisiana today; they ain't got no power. Uh, my point is this: is maybe there's one or two of them after the second hurricane at least <laughs> went out and bought a generator or something, you know so that their refrigerator wouldn't go, uh, the food won't go bad while they wait for their power to be turned on. I was in Hurricane Andrew, and that was a wake-up call for me when I was a young man. Fourteen days, man, we went without power. We had three little girls, little kids, and, uh, you know, we couldn't keep the, the, the milk cold and all that kind of stuff. I mean, thank God that we were able to to to, to, uh, to, to fly back out here to California after about eight days. But I had to go foraging all the stores that the shelves were empty. There was no ice because there was no power. So it was, it's, it's something, you know. So we're talking to you not only about spiritual things, but also practical things. And if you say, well, that's just kind of weird. Well, uh, as it was in the days of Noah, right? That's what Jesus said. And, and God warned Noah of things not yet seen, you know, not yet fully realized. But yet he knew and understood by the Spirit of God what was coming. And his response wasn't just spiritual, it was also practical. However that flushes out for you individually, whatever it is, do what the Spirit of God leads you to do. And don't question it. Do it while we still have time. You know, the election here in this country is just four days away. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that (laughs) what we are witnessing is going to increase no matter who wins the level of of, of of the onslaught of what we've been talking about is well underway, like Brother Fernando was just sharing. It's well underway. I mean, when you look at what happened yesterday, if you're paying attention, uh, they, they called the three biggies, you know, from Silicon Valley before the Senate committee. And, and they basically called them on the carpet, all bluster, nothing's gonna be done. But the extent of the power that they wield is incredible. The ability to shape and mold public consciousness, and thought. The, uh, what's the word? The censoring of free expression. This is totalitarian. This is dystopian, man. This is George Orwell, 1984. It's madness. (laughs) 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 My goodness, you know. I mean, you know. (laughs) And, and, you know, at the risk of sounding like Chicken Little, I mean, I don't know how else to I mean, how many different ways can we describe what what we know is happening, brother? But thank God, as we close out today's <laughs> inspirational thought for the day, um, uh, let's let's look at this midnight thing real quick here, because um, let's go over back to Acts 16 and we'll close out and and, and we'll pick it up. We're we're, we're at Athens tomorrow, Lord willing, chapter 17. But let's finish out this 16th chapter because. It says, at midnight, chapter 16, verse 25, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. As we've talked about before, midnight is a metaphor. And and what we draw from, from, from the midnights of the Bible is is highly inspirational. And we started this podcast today talking about a midnight has come. We're We're entering into that midnight hour. Now, there's six midnights in the Old Testament. There's six midnights in the New Testament. Very interesting, isn't it? Because that's twelve. Twelve is the number of governments and foundations. There's so many other directions we could go in, but I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you about these midnight in the Old Testament. I just listen to this because midnight represents both judgment and deliverance. Now, the first midnight in, in the Old Testament was the Exodus. Remember, it was at midnight that the death angel went through. Remember, yes. but but so judgment came upon Egypt, but deliverance came to the children of Israel by way of the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, Right. In the morning they were let go really in the middle of the night somewhere between midnight and the dawning of the day but you'll find that in exodus 11 verse 4 and 12 and 29. uh the second midnight that appears in the bible is is the story of samson in judges 16. you can read it on your own time but Samson samson uh, functioning as a type of christ he rises at midnight and he carries the two pillars of the gates and the gates of the philistine city uh, to the top of Mount Hebron on his shoulders. Hebron is where King David was anointed king. This is he's, he's functioning as a type of Christ. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So it's at a midnight hour that the very gates of hell are carried away to the top of the of the mountain where where the prefigure of the anointed Christ, is, uh, King David was anointed, where Caleb took the mountain from the giants. Right. All of this is symbolic. In in Ruth. Uh, Ruth chapter three verse eight. Um, Ruth at midnight. You can go study it. She lays at Bo- Boaz's feet. Boaz is a type of our heavenly King. She becomes the bride of Boaz at midnight. Ah, I felt that brother. <laughs> she prefigured. She prefigured the, uh, the the bride of Christ. You know, at midnight in First Kings chapter three verse twenty. Uh, is the account of King Solomon and the judgment that he rendered over the two different women? Remember, at midnight the the child is stolen, and and Solomon functioning as a type of the judge, he judges between the two women, the two churches really, one's a false church, one's a true church, and the true church mm-hmm. is the one who's rewarded with the child. That that's that's a midnight again. We're talking about midnights being prophetic in the scripture. At midnight in the book of Job, chapter 34, verse 20, uh, it is spoken there that judgment will come upon the wicked at midnight. That's literally what it says there, that the wicked will be judged at midnight. And then the last one is found in Psalm 119, verse 62. It'll be midnight uh, when praises will be given to God for his righteous judgments that he executes in the earth. That's Old Testament. In the new testament there's six the first one that appears is in matthew 25 verse 6 it's at midnight that a call is made to go out and meet the bridegroom right in in mark chapter 13 verse 35 it's at midnight when the master of the house returns to bring his his uh his servants his faithful servants reward and 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 to, for them to give an account for what they did but he comes at midnight at midnight, Jesus did the parable of the bread uh, that's given to the man who comes knocking on the door, right? It's a type of the bread of heaven being given at midnight uh, to those that are seeking. That's why he goes on and says, you know, ask, uh, seek, and you shall find. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Knock, and the door shall be open. That's where you'll find that midnight uh, story. In, in the book of Acts, chapter 20, it's at midnight that Paul is preaching, and, and that young man falls out the window. He goes down three flights of stairs and raises him from the dead at midnight. Hallelujah. (laughs) There's a resurrection coming at midnight, brothers. And then uh, the last one in Acts 27, 27 is, is, is at midnight, that storm that rages on the sea. Very symbolic. And the Apostle Paul is given instruction by the Holy Spirit in the midst of that midnight storm as to how they will make it safely to the shore. All of these, and we we could go into each and every individual story and really dig out all the cool things that are revealed there that, that are occurring at midnight. And then number six, which is what we're looking at today, is Paul and Silas at midnight have been jailed. Now, it is a prefiguring uh, foreshadow of what the book of Revelation we've been discussing about uh, predicts. But I want you to understand something that, remember, when they're brought to court and then they're punished and then they're put in prison and midnight arrives, it all occurs in a very short period of time, the same day. And it's meant to express to us that the things that we've been talking about, both the awful and the good things, are going to happen quickly. It's called the hour of temptation. It's called the hour of darkness. Jesus lived through it already. You know, I will not talk to you uh, at much anymore, he said, for the prince of this world cometh, but he finds nothing in me. And then, and then when Judas shows up, he goes, behold, the hour, your hour of darkness has come. You know, the hour has come. It's a brief time. And that's what's being communicated here. They go from trial to, to uh, punishment to jail to midnight. And at midnight, uh, what we saw there is that they're praying and singing praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. I think God is revealing to us there that that we're not we're not leaving this place uh, alone. That the greatest demonstration uh, of of the grace of God will be in the midnight hour. The prisoners are those that are shackled by whatever it is that binds them. That that the true expression of the gospel is, is about to be brought forth. So even though it will be dark, it will be light. Uh, amongst the people of God, and so in verse 25 it says that the prisoners are going to hear them. Right now is the best opportunity that you and I have to preach the gospel, unlike any other time. Yes, we have a tendency to paint these gloom and doom pictures, and it is rightfully so portrayed that way. And we're and we're being as open and honest in in, in the limited understanding that we have to to bring to you what we see, but we don't want that to over Uh, burden you with with such a sense of despair that you don't look at what the Holy Spirit is actually revealing here because it's at the midnight hour he says that the prisoners here and so right now is the greatest opportunity for evangelism that we've ever seen not what the modern church has done to the gospel but the real gospel the true gospel that that pierces the midnight hour and and looses the chains of the prisoner the true gospel it's demonstrated by those who, no matter what the temperature or, or or what the trial, what the test, or whatever the situation, they are consistent, whether they're in the public square or in the prison at the midnight hour, that level and that example that we have from our brothers Paul and Silas <laughs> reveals to us by the Spirit that they're going to hear. Just the midnight hour, right in verse 26, that suddenly the earth shakes and the doors open, and the bands fall off their, their wrists and feet. It, it's really a type of the second coming of the Lord. It, 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 it's a beautiful metaphor. We could dig into every one of these, but we'll be here until Jesus comes. If we do, we still got to get to Athens. So. But in verse 34, we see a type of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy?
0: Yes. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoice, believing in God, with all His house.
1: So the 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 earth shakes, the prison opens, and and they're brought out of the prison, and they're set at a table after their wounds are washed. You know, that's the healing. You know, we'll be healed. We'll be every tear will be wiped away. I mean, these are metaphors. Now, there's so much more we didn't talk about the jailer and his whole house getting say all oh, that stuff. But you know, you 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 dig those things out on your own and, and rejoice in what's being revealed here. But but notice that they're now sitting at a table and, and and a meal is set before them these are these are these are types shadows that tell us of, of what what is what is revealed in the book of revelation the marriage supper of the lamb there's there's a hint a shadow there and then notice in verse 35 what does it say brother midnight's over and verse 35 says what and when
0: it was day the magistrate sent the the sergeants sergeant let those sergeants Okay, saying, let
1: let those men go. Notice, notice. And if you can see it, what this is, is that the the legal authority to keep them, uh, it's over in the morning. Right. They have to be let go. And that's what we're seeing here in the morning time. They will be let go. There is a morning coming, the second coming of the Lord. And 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 all the prisoners of the earth will be let go when Jesus comes, right? And it's at the daytime. It, you know, He's the bright in the morning star. Right? Uh, he 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 dwells in a light that no man can approach. He He has a light that outshines the sun. It's very symbolic. It was in the morning uh, when they when they're commanded to let go. And then verse forty. Can you read verse forty, Brother Jeremy? Because now, like we've been talking about for the last three days, Lydia reappears. Hallelujah. And
0: they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they
1: had seen the
0: brethren, they comforted them and departed.
1: Praise God. So what does this represent, Brother Marty? At the end, when it's all over, when the midnight hour has passed, the prison has been opened, the prisoners have been let go. They've sat down and had meat. And in the daytime, which is representative of the millennial reign of Christ, When it's all said and done, Lydia, the the Gentile church, will be joined (laughs) with Paul and Silas, the Jewish church, and we'll be one church. They're all in the house together now. And and, and we come to the conclusion of chapter 16. And and that's where we'll pick it up tomorrow. Chapter 17 gives way to Thessalonica, Berea, and that great destination that we're headed to, uh, which is Athens. I hope in some way uh, we've said something that's either inspired or, or motivated you today uh, as we're, we're nearing the election. Uh, this week has been really intense, I know, uh, but I think that the Lord has allowed us to explore some things, to think about some things, and to reflect on things as we, as we, as we begin to head towards the closing out of, of 2020. Only the Lord knows what lies ahead, but we are not as those who cannot understand nor discern the times if we're in the word. The rest is up to you and the Holy Spirit working on you and our ability to allow Him to do that. And so we hope that that what 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 you take away from these studies and from these series of podcasts over the last several months, bottom line is that God loves you, God loves me, and He's going to help us make it through and and he is indeed coming soon and that we are more <laughs> I'm more convinced than ever you know that final generation that will witness the return of the lord we pray you have a wonderful day and uh we look forward to bringing our our week to a conclusion tomorrow as as we continue our journey to athens and tomorrow we should be there by the grace and mercy of god <laughs> we pray so have a wonderful day and then uh, brothers if you have anything to say Uh, that would be great. brother Jeremy. Amen, amen.
0: Well, as Brother Marty said, take a break on this journey today, and hopefully by tomorrow we'll make it there. And uh, I've been blessed today. I've been blessed and encouraged by the word of God. And we, as Brother Marty said, we pray that you are encouraged too. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.